the Lord. Hallelujah. Give us a minute or two here to get things hooked up. Um, we finished out what we were going to be doing on parables last week with the three final parables. Those that are left are parables that we have uh, covered in previous uh, studies, so um, I didn't feel the need to uh, uh, go back over that. And here lately... Uh, as a pastor, I uh, a lot of times hear things a little bit more. What's going on? Because with people um, contacting you for prayer and and different things of this nature, and I have found that. There is a great spiritual conflict that is brewing uh, in in the world, in our lives. And um, I think about what was written in the book of Daniel. And, of course, I understand that um, this verse I'm fixing to quote has to do with the Antichrist reign when he finally takes over in his one world government. Uh, but in the book of Daniel, he said that um, during his time, in the end time, that they would, he would literally wear out the saints of the Most High. And there's a lot of people being felt, felt like they're being wore out right now. Um, and a lot of uh, battles that are going going on and struggles. And uh, because of this, I felt the need, and it's been a long time since I have dealt with this, but we're going to be talking about on Wednesday night spiritual warfare, Prepared for battle. We are in a war. Now, when you look on the secular scene, uh, I mean, with what's going on within these, these United States, it's totally unreal. The individual states, everybody feels like that there's fixing to come pretty soon uh, a battle with the Supreme Court over the abortion issue. And so different states are beginning to do things. The more liberal states are getting together and passing more liberal abortion laws to make it easier and going as far as even to abort the baby after it's born. 
which has always been unheard of. And then, but there's some other states, and I praise the Lord for these states as pass laws, and there are battles brewing over that, that if there's the sound of a heartbeat, there can't be an abortion. And I praise God for that. Every, every heart, beating heart that you stop, you killed a life. I don't care what nobody says. Um, and so there is, the war is raging between light and darkness, between good and evil. And, uh, and the devil's also, he's mad because he knows he don't have but a short time. <coughs> and the closer we get to the wind-up and the closer we get to the second coming of Christ, the tougher it's going to be for the child of God. In fact, there's going to come a time that the Bible says that all the saints will come together. You were talking about getting the church together in unity. If we don't get it one way, it's going to come another way because the time will come that the saints of God all will begin to pray, Please come, Lord Jesus. And so we are going to be talking about uh, spiritual warfare, and this this covers a broad topic, and there's a lot of things that we can um, get in, involved with this. And so, but we're just going to kind of follow the leadership of the Spirit from week to week and see what God will have us uh, to do. Um, the first lesson on this. I've titled Recognizing the Enemy. Recognizing the Enemy. Um, if you have been following the Lord for any length of time, you already found out that you have some unseen forces at, at work against you. Amen. If you have been serving the Lord for any length of time, in any length of time, you've already sensed that there is an unseen force at work against you, an enemy that seems bent on counteracting everything you attempt to do for the Lord and what is right. I remember years ago, uh, Brother Leldon McNeese, when I first came uh, to Brother Hale's church and conducting a revival, I, I was uh, still in my teens, and uh, we had been holding some tent revivals, and we had uh, come in contact and met uh, uh, the McNeese family through some of those meetings, um, that we had back in those early days. And uh, Brother Leldon, uh, I had found out, I had found out uh, when Brother Hill had us to, to do a revival, Brother, Brother Leldon McNeese had been baptized for 
for several years. I don't remember how many years now it was that the length of time that he had been coming to church, uh, but for a good 25 years or better, maybe more than that, I can't remember, I know it was a long time, he never had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so um, we had this, had this revival going on. And back in those days, when you had a revival, you had a revival. Uh, you can't get people to come past one or two days. Most churches now drop down to half a day. You see it advertised on the Internet all the time, one-day revival. What in the world is one-day revival? It's kind of it's kind of powerful the course of what we're dealing with in a church today. Uh, the revival that I was baptized in, I was baptized in Jesus' name by Brother Gibson down in Columbia, Tennessee. And we went down, we went to Columbia looking for another church. My dad did. It was having a meeting, he couldn't find it. And uh Past this uh, Pentecostal church had a big sign up, a revival. Dad said, "Well, we we have driven here. We just was to stop in and go in here." Uh, that was the days before uh, you could hop on sixty-five and be uh, be in Columbia in just um, a few minutes. Well, not no more with the traffic. <laughs> a few minutes. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we went in and. The night that we went in, they had been in a revival meeting for five solid weeks with an evangelist by the name of uh, Brother McDaniel. I believe he was from Ohio. They'd been in revival for five weeks every night. Service started about 7 o'clock, and they never got out before 10 o'clock. You talk that nowadays, and these younger bunch would hold the heart and be like Sanford and son, I'm coming to see you. Hallelujah. I was baptized before I left that night. The Lord got a hold of me and spoke to me through the message Brother McDonald was preaching. And we went back every oh, we went back for two more weeks, a total of seven weeks. Revival. My Lord, we tried to have a seven-week revival nowadays. They'd run us out of town on a rail. Hallelujah. I got to get up and go to work in the morning. Those people back then had to get up and go to work the next day, too. Hallelujah. But, uh, but, but anyway, we was in, uh, in revival with Brother Hale. And uh, every night, Brother, Brother Magnus would come up seek for the Holy Ghost and uh, and leave disappointed. And at the end of one service, I felt the leadership of the Lord, and I got up, and I said, I, want, I said, how many people in this congregation wants to see Brother McNeese get the Holy Ghost? And uh, I set a trap, what it did. Everybody raised their hand. 
I said, all right. I said, I want everybody to fast one meal tomorrow. Push that plate back and pray that Brother Magnus gets the Holy Ghost. And uh, uh, the next night, we come in, and the service went, and we was having an altar call, altar service, several people in the altar seeking the Lord. And uh, Brother Magnus didn't come up right away, and I was, I was scratching my head and wondering, you know, when he was going to come. He later, after the facts, when he t- testified, uh, he later uh, said that he had thoughts as well. Don't you don't need to go up there anymore. So them people are just tired of messing with you. They don't want to mess with you. Uh, and uh, we're going to be talking in the course of this study about some weapons that the devil uses. And one of those things is, is um, trying to uh, lie to you, deceive you. And but he he finally went on. He came up. And he hadn't been no more been up there. I walked over to him, and uh, we started praying, and a power of God hit him. He started speaking in tongues. And we all got the Holy Ghost all over again, I think, that night. Uh, and uh, it was a great time in the Lord. But after service, I told Brother Macnese, I said, Brother Mac, I said, have you ever felt like the devil has fought you? Uh, in the past, oh, yes, sir, Brother, Brother Sammy, yes, sir. I said, he ain't never fought you like he's going to fight you now. I said, you get ready. And for years after that, Brother McNeese, every once in a while when he'd give a testimony, he would say, Brother Sammy told me exactly right. He said, I didn't see how in the world it could be. But he was exactly right when he told me since I got the Holy Ghost, the devil was going to fight me more. And uh, that is so true. Amen. Um, there's, a, there's a counter force. There's a force trying to counteract everything we attempt to do for the Lord and what is right. Within minutes after you make your decision to live for Christ, you found these enemies already at work. Hallelujah. Within minutes after you make a decision to follow Christ. And the strange thing is, this enemy seems to be working through people, friends, and even family members whom you never had any problem with before. Isn't it funny how things change when you make a a decision to do what's right, live for the Lord? The first step in walking in victory is to recognize you have an enemy and knowing who he is. The very second you made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, you gained an enemy an enemy who will fight against you as long as you got breath in your body. I don't, I'm not here trying to discourage somebody, but I'm telling those gathered here, and I'm telling those watching my live stream, as long as you're breathing, the devil will never stop bothering you if you're trying to live for God. 
He might leave you for a season like he did Jesus. Some people talk about, well, you know, Jesus is 40 days of temptation. Let me tell you something. He was tempted a lot longer than 40 days. Go back and read it. It said after those 40 days, the devil left him for a season. What does that mean? That means he's coming back. (coughs) Hallelujah. Kind of like that movie. I'm back. <laughs> Amen. He is he's gonna return, and as long as you're in this life, <clears throat> he's gonna come against you. It's hard for some people to understand the concept that you have a foe simply because you love the Lord. But the fact of the matter is you have an enemy that literally hates you with every fiber of his being. And that's one thing I'm trying to drive home tonight in recognizing the enemy. The devil hates you. You might as well go ahead and go all out for God because as soon as you repented and got baptized in Jesus' name and got the Holy Ghost, you got an enemy. And he's going to hinder you, he's going to fight you, he's going to do everything he can. And as I said a few minutes ago, he's going to work in people and in friends and in even family members that never gave you any problem before. Hallelujah. You do got an enemy. Let's look what 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 says. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because you're what? adversary the devil is a ro- as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour now the bible says god's a seeker in the fourth chapter of the book of saint john's gospel it says the lord is seeking people to worship him in spirit and truth how I many remembers that verse well the devil's also seeking But look what he's seeking to do. Devour. Devour. He wants to destroy you. He wants to take you out. And he would do anything he can do to accomplish that task. He is your adversary. Don't never forget that. Don't never get that out of your mind. The sooner you accept that, the sooner you will be on your way to where you can decree and declare his defeat and living in total victory. Hallelujah. Try that. Do you know there's power in words? Do you know there's power in words? Do you realize you you can talk to the devil just like you pray to God? You can tell that booger man, no slew foot, get behind me, Satan. And you can, you got, you're a child of God. You can decree and you can declare. You're defeated, devil. You don't have to run from the devil. You don't have to stand there and let him beat up on you. That's why I understand so many Christians are coming to church now all the time with spiritual black and blue marks all over their body. 
You don't have to stand there and take that junk from the devil. What I, what I need to do, one thing, you need to learn how to get mad. Hallelujah. What? Uh, you tell them, you tell them, uh, tell us, are we, we supposed to get mad? I'm going to tell you something. A man that, a man that uh, don't, can't have no anger is not much of a man. Jesus Christ himself took a whip turned over the money changers' tables, and he beat them and drove them out. Now, you can't tell me while he was doing that, he was stopping him saying, I love you. He had to have some anger. He had to, and the Bible talks about having righteous indignation. Now, we know Jesus never sinned, and he had no guile in his mouth. You can be angry and sin not. Hallelujah. So the sooner you accept the fact that you got an adversary, you got an enemy, you will be on your way to decree and declare his defeat, and you live it in victory. Let's look at, um, well, I didn't finish reading Peter. I want to read verse 9, too. Uh, it said, Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So we've got to resist him, and we've got to do it steadfastly. Amen. But now, let's look at Luke chapter 10, and uh, beginning at, uh, well, just verse 19. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. There's that word enemy. And nothing. Look at somebody and tell them nothing. Do you believe the Bible or don't you believe the Bible? You believe the Word of God's true? It's 100% true, only part of it. All of it's true. Well, Luke 10 and 19, Jesus said, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Hallelujah. Amen. Something else. Isaiah 54 and 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue, now here we're talking about enemies that comes against you. Every tongue which raises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me. That's Jehovah talking, says the Lord. It didn't say there wouldn't be no weapons formed. Hallelujah. That devil, you know, the Bible says one time, there's a scripture in the Bible that says Jesus was casting out the devil and it was, uh, a, a spirit and it was dumb. <laughs> 
I use that, and I preached the message one time, how dumb can you get? I don't remember the whole message, but I, I went from there to where the disciples was on the Sea of Galilee, and the storm come up, and the water was coming in the boat, and they were trying to sink. I said, how dumb can you get when you try to sink a boat with Jesus on board? Hallelujah. The devil's dumb. He don't ever learn. He's like a politician. <laughs> Hallelujah. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I'm going to tell you something. I've lived by that scripture. I know this scripture works. The devil's trying to come against me with a lot of weapons. And none of them has ever prospered. Hallelujah. And it's not, this scripture is just not for preachers. But it's for anybody that God has called and chosen. Any child of God. Hallelujah. Believe that. Hold on to that. Because it is the truth. All right. I want to talk a little bit now going from that. To be on guard. Be on guard. Now we're, t- you know, we're talking about spiritual warfare and the enemy, and we've established the fact that we got an enemy. We got an adversary, and the Word of God teaches us that we need to always be on guard. Uh, I want to read. We just got through talking about parables. And I want to read a parable that Jesus taught from. In Matthew chapter 13, and verse tw- beginning in verse 24, going down through 28. And another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. I think I'm going to sow some turnip greens and have Kessie come over and pick them for me when they get ready. (laughs) (laughs) But while men slept, his what? His best friend, his good buddy, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. That's what Ketcher would do if I tried to sow turnip green sheep from Put some tares in there, sure as the world. (laughs) Among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, What? An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Well, thou then that we go and gather them up. Do you want us to gather them up? So 
Here's the picture we've got right here of the fellow all bundled up, sleeping, and notice out in the field by the bright moonlight, his enemy coming out there and he's scattering seed, sowing tares while he's sleeping. In the parable of the tares, Jesus warns that we should never be asleep on the job. That's one thing we get from this parable. We need to always be on guard. Don't ever take nothing for granted. Always be on guard. Don't never be asleep on the job. Because the scripture said in verse 25, while men slept, the enemy came. If they wasn't asleep, if this guy here on this, uh, and I'm sure for those that, uh, that's online, you, you, you can't see the pictures that everybody's seeing, but the guy taking a nap under the tree, if he had been awake, he would have seen this guy trying to sneak in. Hallelujah. We've got to always be on guard at all times. So the parable of the tares, Jesus gives us some warning. The first being that we should never sleep on the job or stay on guard against the enemy sneaking in and causing disruption and havoc. Hallelujah. I... When the enemy comes to church, he don't come to get right. I'm sorry. But when the end, some people say, well, we open the doors for everybody. You better be careful. You better be on guard. I, as a pastor, cannot afford to let just anybody get on a platform. Just as sure as I'm not on guard, if I go to sleep on duty... It would be very easily to have a wolf in sheep's clothing come in. And I'm telling you, when the enemy comes to the house of God, he don't come to praise God. And especially in this day and hour, the Bible says, Know them and labor among you. Hallelujah. There's one thing that we're failing today that I remember Growing up as a child, they never did. I mean, yeah, you, you want to have new people come in. You want to have new converts. But guess what? Before anybody was considered to be put in any kind of position in the church, they put them under what they call the watch care of the church. And their lives was watched for a while to see if they was bringing forth fruit. And that's the Bible. That ain't being cruel, that ain't being mean, that ain't being unloving. Hallelujah. If you ain't got nothing to hide, you ain't got nothing to squabble about about that. Hello, somebody. Hallelujah. It's Bible. There were some people coming to John the Baptist asking, wanting to be baptized by John because, man, everybody was getting baptized and they wanted to be a part of it. John the Baptist stopped him. He said, wait a minute. Let me see some fruits proving you repented, then I'll baptize you. That's one thing that's wrong with Pentecost today. We got so many preachers that wants to get another notch around their belt to say, well, I baptized so many. 
Were they ready to be baptized? Have they repented? Hallelujah. I don't know where we get this thing about somebody coming down the altar and shed a few crocodile tears and we get ready to duck them in. That's one reason why we get more people ducked in than we got people sitting in the pew today. It's the truth anyhow. Hallelujah. I hate to tell you this, folks, but we have gotten out of the order of God. We, it's time we get back in the order of God. Hallelujah. Glory to truth anyhow. A tear is something or someone infiltrating your life that appears to be genuine, but in fact is a phony. That's my definition of a tear. Not just in the church, but in your own life. It could be somebody on your job. Anybody you come and contact any part of the world, the devil's got tears everywhere. And a tear is something or someone that infiltrates your life. They put on a mask. They appear to be genuine, but they're not genuine. They're, in fact, a phony. And you got them just about every church. Hallelujah. That's why we got to be on guard. That's why we got to be on guard. Hallelujah. Uh, and being on guard means watching. And there never was a time like the day and hour that we are living in that we need to be diligent to do so. And winding up our lesson for tonight, I want to take you to the book of Mark, 14th chapter, reading verses 34 through 38. Mark chapter 14. 34 through uh, uh, 38. And he said unto them, now this is Jesus doing and talking to his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane after they had left the upper room and had the Last Supper. He said unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here. And the word tarry just simply means I want you to wait. I want you to wait here and y'all can just talk about fishing. No. Uh, I'm sorry, Sister Margie, but ain't what he told him to do. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said, I want you to wait right here and watch. What was he telling? He was telling him to be on guard. See, Jesus knew what was coming. Jesus knew that even then, right in there, that, uh, in, inside Jerusalem, there, there, was a, uh, there was a crowd of people lighting their torches, getting ready to come and looking for him. Those disciples that he carried with them didn't know that, but Jesus knew it. He knew they was on their way. So he wanted to pray, and he said, I want y'all to tarry here. I want you to wait right here. Be on guard. I want you to watch. And he went forth, went forward a little, and fell on the ground, 
and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Jesus was 100% God, but he's also 100% man. And the man did not want to die, especially the death he knew he was going to have to die. Hallelujah. So he was in agony and he prayed. And he thought he had some good friends back here praying and watching. And he said, Abba, Father, get a picture of this. Do you know the best translation we got for Abba is Daddy? You know that? Daddy. That's the best translation we can have of the word Abba. Daddy, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Take away this cup, Daddy. I know you sent me here to do this for this cause and reason, but ain't there another way? Ain't there some other way? But you said, nevertheless, nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou will. Wow. What an example. Now, he gets through praying. He said, I'm going to go back to my disciples who've been praying with me a little ways off watching. But was that what was going on? As it cometh, he findeth them sleeping and said unto Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't, couldn't you watch with me one hour? Could not you be on guard for one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. That's another weapon in this spiritual warfare that we're going to be talking about in weeks to come. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. We all that are Holy Ghost filled, we all got something in there. Like a song, we ain't sung it a good we ain't sung his course in a good while. There's something down inside of me telling me to go on. Hallelujah. One verse said, It's that Holy Ghost inside of me telling me to go on. See, that Holy Ghost telling you to go on. The Spirit is ready, but the flesh, oh, you go on without me. <laughs> Glory to God. How many times has the Holy Ghost tried to get you to do something? You tired and you wore out or you don't feel like doing battle? You go on, I'll catch up with you later, Lord. Hello, somebody. Glory. Amen. The flesh is weak. The flesh don't want to go the places the Spirit wants to lead. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. Remember the tares while man slept? 
the enemy come in, therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. So, church, I don't have to tell you something. This ain't something you, you know this. We're in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual warfare. And if you don't get prepared for battle, you're liable to be a casualty. And when, when there is a battle, after the battle is over, a lot of times they will have to go forth and count the casualty, casualties. Casualties are those that didn't make it through the battle. But now we're talking here about a spiritual battle, right? Do you know the word casualties come from the word casual? Amen. Kind of sound like maybe somebody may have not been watching. Somebody may have let the enemy counterflank them. We've got to be careful. We're in spiritual warfare. 